0: Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. We're talking about legacy, how you leave a legacy in your life and you actually will leave a legacy the question is will it be good or bad will will it be a good legacy that's of course our goal you will leave a legacy they're going to talk about you there will be a story told about you but will it be a good story Will, will it be a godly story will it be uplifting and happy and positive or will they talk about, eh, you know, Grandpa got grumpy. He, he, was, he was pretty angry. He was isolated. He was alone. There's a story to be told about your life and how you live will decide that. Next week, we're going to give our legacy offering, and as a church, we want to leave a legacy. You know, it's interesting, since Christian faith has started, almost every major church that we partnered with and were friends with has gone away or has declined dramatically. Right? So Overlake Christian Center used to be one of the largest churches. I was friends with the pastor there. It's it's pretty much gone now. Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll is a great church in the Northwest. He's he's left the Northwest now. City Church and uh, what it became, now it's gone. They don't have services at that church anymore here in the Northwest. So, So to leave a legacy, you have to stay in the fight. You have to think long-term. You have to You have to dream bigger than yourself, and not many can do that. So I'm encouraging and I'm praying today the Holy Spirit will enlarge our hearts and minds and enable us to think beyond ourselves. What will your story be? And will your legacy be a good seed and a good story? It's up to you. That's your choice, and I pray that it will. So next week, we give our Legacy Offering. We'll have the Katinas here to bring the Christmas music. How many have heard the Katinas? How many know the music of the Katinas? Really? Does that many people don't know the Katinas? Or you just don't raise your hand no matter what I say in church? You have your earphones in listening to the game. You don't know what I'm talking about anyway. Okay. Well, if you don't know, you're going to love the music of the Katinas. They're going to bring a whole new Christmas uh, set of music. So it's going to be fun and uh, we'll have a great Sunday. Then the next week will be the miracle, our new Christmas uh, story, our new Christmas musical. And two weeks are totally different. So we'll... We'll do one week at Mill Creek, one week at February, then we'll switch for the next. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be blessed during Christmas season. And then make sure you have Christmas Eve on your schedule, because we'll take communion as we sing O Holy Night, and that's a wonderful part of our Christmas season, and then on to the new year. So it just gets gooder and gooder, amen? amen. So let's talk about legacy, your seed and your story, what will it be? And remember, it's not too late to change the seed and the story if you realize you've not been doing it God's way. Let's start today in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13 and verse 22. A good man and a good woman leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So the sinner might have wealth, but they won't leave a legacy. They they won't leave an inheritance. You know, they'll, they'll be caught in their own agenda and their own perspectives and their own circumstance, and the family never gets the blessing. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. But a good man or good woman leaves an inheritance. Their life becomes a generational blessing. Have you ever thought beyond your life, beyond yourself, and decided I'm going to be a generational blessing. What I do in my 60, 80, 100 years on earth, I'm deciding, I'm choosing, I'm praying, it will be a generational blessing. There will be people in generations to come who will get saved, who will get healed, who will get helped, who who will be influenced for the Lord. And and my family will will go on in the blessing of God because of how I live, because of what I do. That's that's what I'm asking you to think. I'm asking you to get beyond how do I pay the bills this month, right? Many people, just it's just how do I take care of now? I'm trying to get through the month. I'm trying to get through the week. And in fact, there are people who are just trying to get through the day, right? I'm going to go steal something, sell it for $25 so I can get through the day, right? So that's, that's the, you know, that small thinking. And, and some of us, we stretch it out. I'm just trying to pay the bills. Just trying to get through the month. I'm just trying to make it through another. And we just get stuck in that survival mode. And if you could get beyond that, if you could begin to think, my life is a seed and a story, and it will be a generational seed that blesses and story that's good, and it will be influencing others long after I'm gone. I'm going to choose to be that. I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose to think that way right? And, and some of you may say, well, Pastor, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'm just trying to make a living. Okay, well, I'm asking you to think different. That way of thinking won't get you where God wants you to go. That, that won't get you to the life that God wants you to have. He wants you to leave an inheritance to your children and your grandchildren. That means two generations from now, they're still talking about you. Yeah. They're still saying, man, we love Papa. He was good. That guy, he was something else. And grandma, wow. He's one of a kind. Love grandma, right? Or are they like, yeah, I never knew him and they did nothing for me. Died alone in a nursing home, right? Let's don't let that be our legacy. Now look with me in Proverbs 11 and verse 24. Proverbs eleven twenty 24. There is one who scatters, right? You scatter seed, you scatter into the field, yet it increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right and it leads to poverty. So this is where many of us struggle. We, we, we're hanging on because we think we got to keep what we have because we won't have enough. So we're always hanging on to what we have because we're afraid we won't have enough. Fear runs our life more than faith runs our life. God says if you'll just start to scatter what you have, you'll have more. You won't have less, you'll have more. Now if you hang on to what you have, it will bring decrease, but if you spread what you have, it will bring increase. So that's your choice, you have to decide. You have, to, you have to decide, I'm going to just think the way God thinks. I, I'm going to take the thoughts of God and make them mine and I'm going to experience that life that God has for me. Now in the next verse, Proverbs eleven twenty five: the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. So it starts in your soul, how you think, how you believe. The generous soul will be made rich. You just believe. God's working, God's your source. God is your landlord, God is your boss. I work as unto the Lord, I live as unto the Lord. So I'm not living in fear, I'm not waiting for the government, I'm not, I'm not trusting in the bank. I, I'm not secure because I have good insurance. Now I love our insurance people, but they can cancel you. And they probably will if you spend too much of their money. So I'm not gonna trust the world, I'm gonna trust the Lord. And the Lord will cause increase. The generous soul will be made rich. The poor soul will survive, will get by, will hang in there, will make a living. But the generous soul, will be made rich, right? So we studied in the series on the soul, third John verse two, you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. Well, I thought it was dependent on the Republicans. Yeah, your life sucks. If you're trusting Republicans, you suck, your life sucks. But let's be equal here. Let me be a balanced pastor. If you're trusting the Democrats, you suck too your life sucks. Why? Because it's always up and down promises. They can't keep promises. They never planned on keeping. They promote ideas. They could care less about. They just think it will make you vote for them. It's all right. No, don't clap. I'll just get off track. But it's sad to see so many in our world, maybe not you, but, you know, people in our community trusting the government, trusting the bank, trusting the the job, trusting the company, trusting in people, and constantly disappointed, constantly let down, because they can't meet your needs. They don't live to take care of you. They may say they do, but only God can be your source, can be the provider, can be the father, can be the healer, can be the blesser, can cause you to leave a legacy, right? So you have to decide who's your source, who do you trust in, who do you live for? And if you trust in God, then your soul, your very being becomes generous and that causes increase, that causes more and more. You give and it's given unto you. And it just is a lifestyle that never ends. Ecclesiastes says you, you spread your goods on the water and they come back on every wave. It's just, it's just amazing. This verse, Proverbs 11, in the Message Bible says, the life of the generous gets larger and larger I love that idea as I get older my life just gets larger I have more favor I have more opportunity to be a blessing I have more prosperity it just I just gets everything good gets larger and larger right but what happens in the world well you you lose your mobility and you lose your cognitive abilities and, and, and you lose your friends and you don't really have time and you don't really feel like it and you're just hoping that you have enough money until you die and you end up lonely. What happens? Your world gets smaller and smaller and you just shrink until there's nothing left. No, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I get to see more, do more, bless more, help more, be more of what God created me to be. Right? So you decide, will you live large and in charge or will you shrink until there's nothing left? That's your choice. That's That's what God is asking of you. If we could think like God thinks, we'll think in terms of legacy, not in terms of me and and mine and what I need and what I want. Now, our father, Abraham, is the example, the ultimate example of this, right? Abraham is the father of our faith. He was the beginning of the covenant with God that eventually brought Jesus to the earth. It all started with Abraham. Now, Abraham connected with God before there was priests, before there was a Bible or a covenant written down. There was no Old Testament or New Testament. There was no temple. There was no uh, synagogue, nothing. Abraham heard the voice of God and he believed. Now, the idea is that God was reaching to many people, but only Abraham believed. And Abraham trusted God simply on his word. Nothing else, there was no no Bible, no Christian radio encouraging him, no worship team, nothing. Abraham and God. And Abraham believed God, In Romans chapter four, it says, "'And God accounted it as righteousness.'" So Abraham was as righteous as you with your faith in Christ, even though Christ had not come yet because he believed God. And that covenant, that relationship that Abraham had started everything that God wanted to do in the earth. Let's go to Genesis 18, and I want to show you one reason why God chose Abraham. Now, the obvious reason is because Abraham believed, but there was more to Abraham's heart, to his passion, to his life than many people realize. Look here in Genesis 18, and we'll start reading at verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, do righteousness and justice, and that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. All right, so God says, I'm getting ready to do something and I, and I think I should tell Abraham what I'm gonna do. And the reason why is that Abraham is going to train his family, teach his family to follow me. That generational thinking. Many, many parents say stuff like this. Well, I'm gonna let my kids find their own way. That is not what God said to do. God said, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When you tell your children you find your own way, you're basically turning them over to the devil. Because the devil will make things look intriguing, interesting. The flesh will be provoked and enticed, and they get lost, and then they get confused, and then they don't know what to do. And they look back at you, and they said, my dad gave me nothing. My mom gave me nothing. They just told me to go find my own way. That's not the legacy you want to leave, right? So we're not going to be some kind of weird, overbearing, religious parents. We're going to be godly, loving, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, show them the goodness of the Lord, show them how great it is to live a life for the Lord, and... And God said, because Abraham will train his children to follow me, I'm going to share with him what I'm about to do. Now, you know your Bible. In Genesis chapter 18, God was on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Because he'd heard about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, I'm going to go down there. And if it's as bad as I hear, we're going to have to stop this deal right here. We're going to bring judgment. On this sin. So he says to Abram, I'm on my way over here to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm going to bring judgment. Well, in Sodom and Gomorrah was where Abraham's cousin or stepbrother, Lot, had chosen to live because he was caught up in that sin of the world. And Abraham took a unique position He said, God, if there's 50 righteous people, will you save that city? And God said, you know, Abe, if there's 50 there, I will. I'll save the city for 50. Abraham said, Lord, let me just ask one other question. If there's 40, I think Abraham started counting and he's like, oh, I don't know if we're going to get 50. If there's 40, would you save the city? And God said, you know, Abe, for you, 40 righteous people, I'll save the city. God said, "Now, I mean, Abraham said, now, God, don't be upset, but what if there was 30? And he went all the way down to 10. He figured there's got to be at least 10. And God said, if I can find 10 righteous people, I will save the city. Well, actually, the only ones with any hope were Lot and his wife and his two girls. There was not 10, and fire fell on that city. But why did God share with Abraham, and why did God listen to Abraham's intercession? Because he would raise his children to follow him. He's thinking generationally. He's more than just gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. <laughs> we have such a selfish world. We will sacrifice our children on the altar of our own desires. We will give up our kids because we want to do something else and we ain't got time for that. We've got to begin to think bigger than ourselves. And when I say we, I don't just mean Y'all, I mean our world, people. We can't be so selfish. We lose our wives, we lose our husbands, and we lose our children because we're thinking about ourselves. And God says, because Abraham will cause his children to follow me, I'm gonna share with him. I'm gonna talk with him. I'm gonna make him my partner. Think what God will do in the life of a man or a woman who's thinking generationally, who's thinking legacy, not just thinking, what do I get? What do I want? So, an amazing story in the life of Abraham. From this time on, as Abraham got older, his son Isaac was born. Isaac grew up found a wife and his sons. Remember, he had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Abraham. And so they were referred to as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had the 12 sons and they were the 12 tribes of Israel. And from that came Jesus and salvation. And all nations were blessed because of Jesus. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three generations Can your life be told in the story of three generations? Or or is it you've shrunk down to just surviving, and when I die, I'm going to heaven and I'm glad to be out of here. My goal is to get to heaven, let everybody else take care of themselves. Right, no, no, I'm thinking generationally. What will my children, And my grandchildren say, and will I leave a legacy that will honor God and cause God to be known in our land? Let me show you another story here in Abraham's life. Genesis 14. This is when Lot was taken captive by some kings. They called them kings. They were like, chiefs over tribes, and they came in and they captured Lot and they took him back to their kingdom, their little ground where they lived. And Abraham heard about it. He said, oh, you don't mess with my family and you don't mess with my friends. So he said, I'm going to arm the servants in my house those who were born in my house, and we're going to go up there and we're going to rescue our friends, our family. Now, isn't it interesting that they're still kidnapping Israelites and taking them captive and battling over that ground thousands of years later? The reason that Israel and the Palestinian thing is an issue is because Israel forth the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in a unique position. Now, most Israelites don't know that, don't believe that. They're mostly atheists today, which is why they keep living under the drama and the trauma. But they're still the people that God chose that brought forth the Word and brought forth Jesus. And so God's promise to them is still true. Now, Jesus came, Jesus said God so loved the world. So now we have a different attitude. We love Israel, we are grateful to Israel, we will always support Israel, but we also love the Palestinian. And we'll pray for them and believe that God will save them. We love the Russian and the Ukrainian. We love the Chinese, we love, we, we love everybody because God loves everybody. Israel's in a unique place because God chose them, but that doesn't make them, you know, somebody that uh, doesn't have to deal with their own, their own choices and their own decisions. And when you pick on Israel, there's going to be a backlash. They're not going to lie down. They're going to come back at you just like Abraham did. Abraham said, I'm arming my servants over 300 which means Abraham had a sizable operation his homies were more than 3 they were 300 not counting those parents of those child of those kids and they were of the age to fight and they went up there and they fought those evil kings and they brought back Lot and his family and, and they saved the day so on the way back with the families, and all the things that had been taken, he stopped, and this is a unique story in Genesis 14 and verse 18. He meets this guy named Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek in the New Testament is talked about as a shadow of Christ. Some theologians would call him a theophany, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ, okay? So for my scholars and my theologians, that's interesting. For some of you, you're like, huh? But Melchizedek is a unique individual. He has no genealogy. He has no tribe. He wasn't a Jebusite, Hittite, Parasite, Termite, or Israelite. Where did he come from? Who is he? We don't know, but in the New Testament it says he's like Christ. He's just there. He's a unique individual. He was a king and a priest. So let's read it. Genesis 14:18. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him, Abram gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So they were just gonna give Abram, all the stuff, whatever he captured in that battle, keep it and just let the families come home. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. I'll take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. I will take nothing that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abraham rich. Abram said, I wanna make sure my legacy is clear. God is my provider. God takes care of me. I don't want anybody saying, well, they they got blessed because these other people took care of them. Oh, they got blessed because they were on the government uh, accounts. They they, they they were taken care of because, you know, these other things, they, they 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 kind of ripped people up. They kind of burned people. They had a crime family going on and they took advantage of others. No, Abram said, no, I've lifted my hand to the Lord. I have a relationship with God. I trust God and he's all that I trust and he will make Abraham rich. And it came to pass, didn't it? It was true. Now it's interesting, this blessing. Melchizedek said it, Abraham repeated it. I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. Let me ask you like this Who's your landlord? Who's your landlord? Well, they raised my rent. I'm not going to pay them because they don't need no money. I need the money more than they need the money. I don't have to take this. Yeah, you're you, you, you working for the wrong landlord. You're you paying the wrong landlord. Pay your rent, whatever they charge, but it's because your real landlord is God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. The reason you're mad at people, and you don't want to pay your bills, and you think they're taking advantage, and you're trying to get a deal, and you want, to, you want to get away on the cheapest that you can, is because you think people are the source of your blessing. But if you ever raise your hand to the Lord God most high, you'll never have to worry about paying your bills again. Or being taken advantage. Because if you do take advantage of me, God's going to bring it back to me sevenfold. Yeah, it's just the way it is. The Bible said when you catch a thief, he'll bring it back sevenfold. So you take advantage of me, God's got my back. I'm not going to worry about you. I'll pay you whatever you want. And if you rip me off, the Lord's like, I've lifted my hand to the Lord, possessor of heaven and earth. See, and if you're mad at the company, well, they don't pay me enough. I, I only do what I have to do because they don't pay me what I'm worth anyway. They're actually probably paying you more than you're worth. <laughs> but you got the wrong attitude, the wrong mentality. You, you paying the man and working for the man when God most high would love to get you on his payroll. Right? See, he'd like to get you in his company. And working for him. And then whatever you do, you may be at Boa, you may be at Nordstrom, you may be at Microsoft, but God is your boss and he's your source. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And so if they lower your pay, you're like, no, no worries. I got, I got this. God's going to take care of me. Right. And if they, you feel like somebody took advantage of you, you're like, all right, Lord, you saw, you saw that deal go down. And he see you got to get your eyes on the prize instead of on this natural world where you fight with people and and take advantage if you can and then get taken advantage of that's just our world but when you've lifted your hand to the Lord he's your landlord he's the source And you're not worried about what happens in this. Oh, they ripped me off. Yeah, but God's got my back. He's going to bring it back to me sevenfold. And you know, when you start living that way, whoo. You know, Jesus said, if they try to take it from you, give them more than they ask for. Oh, we don't want to hear that. I don't mean you don't defend your family, you don't protect your family, and Israel's going to go protect itself. That's, that's good. That's right. I'm just saying you keep your eyes on God, the possessor of heaven and earth. He's the source. He's the answer. He's the provider. Now, I'm running out of time. I want to tell you one more story. God says to Abraham, I want you to give your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. In Genesis chapter 22, do you know this is the first time the word worship is used in the Bible? 22 chapters and it never said anything about worship until now. And worship was a sacrifice. Worship was giving to God, not just singing a song or lifting our hand. No, you couldn't worship that way. You had to bring something. You know, sometimes we think, oh yeah, I love worship. Do you? You love this kind of worship? Because God asked Abraham to give his only son. Well, as you read through Genesis chapter 22, they go to Mount Moriah, and Isaac is going along with Abraham, and Isaac said, Father, I see the fire and the wood. Where's the sacrifice? You know, Isaac's a teenager now. He's been to sacrifices before with his father Abraham, and he's starting to think, wait, where's the sheep? Where's the ram? I see the fire and the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Well, they get on Mount Moriah. He lays out the wood and he puts Isaac on the fire. And he lifts his knife like he's going to sacrifice Isaac. Now, here's an interesting thing. Abraham's a 100 years old. Isaac is a teenager. I'm pretty sure if he'd have wanted to, he could have beat that old man off of that mountain. (laughs) You know what I mean? If Isaac would have been like, oh, no, I'm out. I'm sure he could have outran his 100-year-old dad. I think Isaac trusted his father and saw what God had done with his father. Remember what God said about Abraham? He will raise his children to follow me. And Isaac laid on that altar, and he was probably praying, Lord, Lord, do something and do it quick. <laughs> Abraham lifted up his knife, his knife and God stopped him and God said, "Abraham, I know now you would give your only son." And in the ram in the bushes where there was a ram, and they took that ram and put that on the altar, and Isaac said, "Whoo!" You know why God could give his only begotten son in that covenant with Abraham because Abraham was willing to give his only son, Isaac. God just can't come in and do whatever he wants to do in your life. You have to let him in. You have to invite him in. You have to believe his promise. And so it is with sending of the Savior He didn't just send the Savior. He found a man willing to give his only son. And the father says, I'll give my only son because you were willing to give your only son. And do you know that in Galatians, Jesus is referred to as the seed of Abraham. How can he be the seed of Abraham? Well, because Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes, Israel. Finally, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. It all started right there with Abraham. It started because Abraham had lifted his hand to the Lord. He trusted God. You know the name of the place where he offered his son? Jehovah-Jireh. He named that place Jehovah-Jireh the Lord will provide. Do you know Jehovah-Jireh? Are you writing a legacy with Jehovah-Jireh? Or are you living in fear and worry and trying to hang on to what you got and angry when they take advantage and not getting paid what I'm worth? What kind of legacy are you writing in your life? Let's make it like Abraham. Let's make our legacy one of the covenant with God. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.